Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Open up your Bibles to two places. Psalm 68 verse 6. That's Psalm 68 verse 6 and Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Psalm 68 6 and Galatians 6 7. Well, here we are. We're, we're, we are actually halfway through 2020. Can you believe it? We're halfway through the most interesting, the most challenging, the most painful year of, of, our, of our culture, uh, in, in our world. This has been the most bizarre year ever. I, I, uh, I was at the, I was at Love's the other day picking up some nails, and, uh, and uh, I was picking up some nails, and I saw a long line of people, and there's this little lady, uh, she was uh, with her walker there, she was trying to buy something for her rose bushes, and, and, uh, and she was really struggling, and I kind of looked at all the people, and, and nobody was helping her, and so I just went up there and said, can I help you, man? She says, well, it's about time, yes. <laughs> so, uh, all right, good, good, got to talk to her, help her out, help her get checked out, and, and then went outside with her and, and talked with her, and I said, so, you know, all our issues, I'm 93, and I'm like, wow, good for you being out, look at you, look at you, look at you being out here. Uh, just to just as act like acting like you're just gonna do it, you know, and and uh, and so I said, what do you think about what's happening in the world today? She says, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, and she just said, she said, we need prayer. We need to pray. This is uh, we need we need to ask God to intervene. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Uh, a, a, a godly woman there, and I didn't go up at the whole thing. Well, I'm a pastor, and so share with me the Lord's No, I didn't do any of that. I just talked. Just like 
soaring through life right now like nothing's going on. And, and here's the truth. If you think the government or your job or you think the economy or your education or your social causes or your handheld device is going to be a strong foundation for you in this day, you're wrong, wrong, wrong. That won't keep you grounded. It won't. Those are what I call weak foundations. Today I have titled my message, Focus on the Foundation. Focus on the Foundation. Well, I'll just say who the Foundation is right now. I'll just go ahead and blow the whole story for you. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. And, and we build our lives on Him as a foundation. In fact, the scriptures also uh, make it beautiful that that. Church families, local congregations, church families actually build themselves together, kind of like living stones, and we become literally a temple. By the scripture, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, that, that God literally dwells in a temple that is God's people coming together in the local church. Like where you are, where we are, whether you're with us online or you're here in this room, God is in the midst of us. And guys, I just think that's pretty awesome right there. You know, we know about foundations here in Texas. Uh, and if you're watching online and you're not from Texas, you don't have a clue. I went up to Missouri one time. Uh, one time. Well, actually, I lived there a few times. But I lived there one time, and I asked the people, how often do you need to water your foundations around here? And they laughed at me. They said, that must be some foolish Texas thing. You Texas people are so dumb. You can't water your house. It's like, well, no, you haven't been to Texas. And so I learned up in Missouri, you didn't need to water your foundation. But if you are a homeowner, you know you need to water your Foundation, because the the uh, the soil, I guess, it, it all kind of expands and contracts. That I guess kind of I know it does. And and if you don't do this, then after a while, your foundation is going to crack, and kind of like your home is going to split in half. And if you don't get it corrected, well, the whole thing comes crumbling down, right? Well, here's the deal. I'm watching around us, and I'm seeing a whole lot of crumbling going on. There's a lot of crumbling. Which makes me ask the question, what is your foundation right now? What is your foundation? Because Jesus is not a foundation that's going to crack. King David, he wrote these words in Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm 11, uh, verse number 3. This is a song they would sing. And one of the stanzas of this song was this. I, I like this. David said, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The answer to that is we're going to keep building our lives on Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, this church is built on Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and I want to make it more clear than ever before. The church family is more critical now than it has ever been in yeah. my lifetime. Yeah. I asked my dad about this when I was out visiting him for Father's Day. He said the church family is more critical now than it has ever been in his life. And he goes back to 1933. I want to talk to you about that today. Nine months ago, I was reading my Bible, and I came to Psalm 68, and as I was reading along, this one verse jumped out at me, and it caught my attention, and, and I, I, I really couldn't get my mind off of it, and I felt impressed that we were to use this, this verse, Psalm 68, verse 6, as a, as a foundation scripture, as a uh, theme scripture for our church for this year, and and, and and I shared it, and I remember when I first shared it, it was like, like wait, that, that's, that, that's just different. And, and, and I had people tell me, like, well, that's different than what we normally do. I said, well, 
feel like this is what God wants for us for 2020. I don't know. I'm trying to obey God. Did I hear from God? I hope so. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think so. <laughs> and I mean, people I love, I mean, they were being mean. Nobody was being mean about it. I'm just, nobody was being mean. Now, I've had people being mean to me, but they, nobody was being mean about this. They were just saying, that's just kind of goofy, but okay, if you say so, Pastor, we're, we're all in. But I want to read it to you. You need to look at it in your Bibles as well, and I hope you have it underlined. It says this. It says, Psalm 80, 68, verse 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Well, that is unless you're in California. Then you can only think of praise to God. All right? But that was a joke. That was a joke. But I'm serious. It's not funny. It is, but it's not. Okay. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And there are two words in there that are real important that were lonely and prisoners. And those that's Hebrew parallelism, which says that they, they really go together. They mean the same thing. And uh, and lonely, as I studied that term, it meant desolated. But the word lonely means that you're isolated. Prisoner means that you're like captive and you're caught up and you're bound up. And so, so it's, it's this image of people who are isolated and they're bound up. Now, there are a whole lot of people who are right there, right now. And I first preached about this from this passage uh, long before the COVID thing was even a thing. And today, now, exactly halfway into the year, more people are isolated and lonely and bound up than ever before. People isolated from human contact, people who are isolated because of differing opinions regarding politics or, or, or ethnic reconciliation. And I'm just telling you guys, it's impacting everyone. Isolation and the building up of walls over this year has broken up friendships, broken up families. Someone told me the other day, they said I was looking on Instagram at some pictures of, uh, of friends of mine, and we were all just laughing and having a good time. Now, like none of us can be friends because we all have different
whispered to me during my time of prayer and said, what did I tell you at the beginning of the year? I'm like, well, thank God. I think you told me a lot of things. But, but like, what did I tell you at the beginning of the year? What did I tell you? What did I tell you? And I was like, family, family, 2020 family focus, right? I said, okay, then get on with it. And so I'm here to say, yes, sir, God, I'm getting on with that. Because here's the deal. We are a family. We're going to be a family. And we've got to be a family. See, a church family, let me tell you what it is. It's a group of people where we make up our minds and we say, it's not worth it to stay mad at somebody. I'm telling you guys, it is not worth it to be mad at somebody because they respond to uh, a pandemic different than you or they have a different approach toward racial reconciliation than you or they have a different political stance than you. That's not worth it. See, a healthy family actually where we get to make a choice. And that's what this church is about. We make a choice to walk in peace with everyone. And we do it by standing on the foundation of Jesus. Because we together are this, we are a beautiful spiritual house built to glorify and to magnify God. And when we come together, whether you're online or you're in this room, God's presence is potent. We're the beautiful family, the house of God, and God dwells among Think of a beautiful house. I mean, the, the most picturesque thing about a beautiful house is to go into the backyard and see the garden, right? Um, I, I, I grew up around gardens, and my dad is an avid garden person. I mean, he loves doing his garden stuff. And my dad sows seeds, and he uh, and he he plants his he plants all kinds of stuff. He started doing this when I was a, when I was just a kid, and and I loved it. I loved what he did, and he was a he taught me about going out and watering. I had to go out and water. I, he taught me how to plant seeds. I remember planting seeds when I was literally three years old. I have a memory of it, of going through the garden. Dad said, you're going to plant seed. You're going to plant seed. And, and watching the seed begin to develop and grow. And, uh, and I was out there visiting my dad this last week, and my dad was showing me some stuff. I, well, actually, before I went out there, I said, Dad, I'm going to want some stuff from the garden. And he said, okay, son, I'll, uh, I'll have some stuff for you. So he had some jalapenos and some... Uh, I mean, just, just a lot of different things. But but one thing that he had for me is I got some squash. The squash is just now starting to come out. So, Ian, would you bring up some of the squash here? Because this is some of the squash that my dad sent me. And it's kind of representative of where we are right now. Now, one thing we've got here is is this one right here. This is zucchini. Uh, and see, it's like it's, it's kind of like messed up because he said, oh, that's from the hailstorm. You know, life has its storms, but it's still good. Oh, that's a sermon right there. I won't do that one. And this is yellow squash, right? And I looked at it and I said, Dad, that, that yellow squash looks a little bigger than most yellow squashes. He said, oh, it's because of the cross-pollination. Cross-pollination. Pollination. Pollination. I don't know what the word is. But he said that. He said it's cross-pollination. And, and I, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, like, squash don't do that. He said, yeah, they do. And he said, look at the bottom of the squash. And so if you can show it there. I said, well, it's zucchini on the end. And it's yellow squash on this end. He said, yeah, that's how they do when you plant them next to each other. It's a healthy garden. Now we're going to eat that later today. So we'll put it back over. Thank you, Ian, for carrying out today. But see, a healthy family sows seeds, and then we begin to cross-pollinate. And even when the hailstorms come, we might be in the middle looking a little ugly or something like that. We're still going to stick together. The scriptures tell us that we're supposed to be sowing seed. Scripture tells us we're supposed to be sowing a little bit of spiritual seed. Now 
we are actually told to sow to please the Spirit. Um, here's the thing that, like, what happens when an entire church family is sowing seed in the family garden to please the Spirit? Well, I think amazing stuff can happen. Yeah. Now, in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, he, he gives a description of what this looks like to sow seed. Now, I want you to look at this, and this is here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Start with verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Then he goes on to explain what he means here. Okay, This is about the church family. He said, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's not done talking yet. Look at it. He said, so let us not become weary in doing good. That's the seed right there. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Yeah. I'm so challenging with that. You don't give up on the seed. Keep that seed going in. There, and he says, therefore. So that means, here, here's some more of this. As we have the opportunity, let us do good. That's the seed right there, doing good. Let us do good to all people. But, he says, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The family of believers. So what kind of seed are you sowing within your family, your home family, as well as your church family? Because when we sow that seed, we are going to reap. You'll reap individually, and your church family does as well. And the beauty of it is as you sow that seed, those which is the good works, the way of serving and loving and caring for one another, we begin to cross-pollinate, and amazing things happen. The church becomes stronger. And, and, and Paul also said, don't let yourself get worn out when you don't see the results, when you can't see things happening. Keep at it. Keep sowing anyway. Sow to please the Spirit. Sow to please the Spirit. Now, let me break that down for you. What does it mean to sow to, spirit, to please the Spirit? Well, it's actually the opposite, as he illustrates here, it's the opposite of doing works or sowing to please other people or your own desires, or your personal passions. See, when, when you begin doing that to try to please, just to try to make everybody happy, or it's all about yourself, you actually lose. What you're to do is to sow to benefit other people. The answer for this really lies in verse 10. He says, therefore, as, look at it, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are of the family of believers. So, sowing to please the Spirit, get this, this is critical, is doing good to other people, especially in the family. So I'm talking about your whole family. I'm talking about your church family. Yeah. So in this spiritual seed has everything to do with your actions, your, your behavior toward other people, especially those who are in God's family. Now, now let's go back to that original verse. If then God sets the lowly or the isolated in families, and if God leads out the prisoners with Singing, and he sets them in families where we are sowing this good seed. Shouldn't families be the best and healthiest place to be? Yeah, that's the place to thrive.
thrive. That's the place to grow. I tell you what, I want to be a part of a family where I can be myself, where I can thrive and I can grow. And, and, you know, and I, will, I want to be a part of a family where we can graciously disagree with one another without cursing or abandoning one another. Does anybody want to say amen? I'll say so. That's what I want. That's what I want for my family. Say, but, yeah, but my family at home is or was really, really jacked up. Well, that explains a lot about you. We understand. I don't know.
You don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to be in that prison anymore. You don't have to be in that rebellious place out there in the desert anymore. I'm just telling you guys, no more isolation. We are family. Join me tonight in prayer at 6. And I'm dead serious on that. At our partner's banquet uh, five, five months ago, I shared several scriptures that I felt would define our year. And, and from those scriptures, I declared, I created some statements and declarations for this year. And now I stand here 50% of the way through this year. And I'm saying I'm continuing to declare this stuff because we were on target back then. I had people saying, I, I literally had people saying, this is a bunch of like, words that I can't even say when I declared this. They literally said that is a bunch of, and then they hauled off and left. I'm like, okay, come on. I, I don't know. You know, I guess you didn't like it, but you here. You definitely, I hope you like this. And now that I say this within the context of racial friction and in the context of COVID, within the context of this, it may offend you. But God gave this to me long before there was any COVID. God gave this to me long before there were any protests in the streets. Hear me well. Are you guys with me? Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you're with me after I read this, all right? <laughs> we are a family. We, this is a place where we are training for life and ministry. Yeah. We are a family. We are calling out the fathers and the mothers. And I'm asking for spiritual mentorship regardless of your age. We're a family resisting the desire for personal comfort. This church is not all about you. It's about others. Yeah. We're a family launching into cultural streets. Use your anointings and your giftings outside of the church. Oh. We are family. We are establishing a culture of honor among us. We honor one another around here without merit. You have nothing to prove. All you have to do is say, I want to be a part of your family. You are honored around here. We are family. We look out for one another. We are family. We will keep Jesus central. Yeah. We are family. We're going to grow in covenant relationships. Do you want to know what that is? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 because it tells you item by item, line by line, word by word, what it means to actually love another believer. Give yourself the 1 Corinthians 13 test with your relationships. <laughs> and we're going to, we're, and we're, we're actually going to stand with one another through the ups and downs of life. That's what family is. And we're a family. And I, and, and our family, Personal offense has no place in this church. We're a family where unity is our key to blessing. We are a family where we honor God's spirit in everyone. We are a family where we liberate one another and we bring people into the family. Yeah, people need Jesus, all right? We're a family where we utilize the gifts of the Spirit, and we allow those gifts of the Spirit to flow out from us so we can touch and minister to and speak to other people around us and build each other up. The church is a family. And the Scripture says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are part of the family of believers. That word family is the Greek term oikos. That's found 150 times in the New Testament. Almost all the New Testament writers use this term. Uh, and, but but it, it, the word oikos in the New Testament describes three types of family. I've shared this with you before. I just want to go this, through this with you real quick. There's the blood family. So this would be your literal physical relatives, your spouses, your adopted children, your home. If you're single, it's, you know, it's you. That's your blood family right there. Second of type of church family is the local church family. That's us. These are people who are part of a local congregation. And the third type of family is God's family. These are children of God, anyone who's been bought by the blood of Jesus. So therefore, when I'm up here preaching today, as I'm praying today, I'm, my heart is out, goes out toward my brothers and sisters who are in California, who are by law not allowed to sing praise to God. So you, you understand that my heart goes out to them because yeah. they're my family. Now, 
There are certain elements that are found in every single type of family. Here it is. The first, type of, the first element that's found in every type of family is covering. Every family has some type of a head or an authority figure. Here with the church family, it's me. I take that responsibility. That, that just means I'm going to take responsibility. That means when, when all is said and done, I'm responsible. The second one is code, and this is really what I want to take a look at because families, every family, whether it's written or not, you actually have some established boundaries within your family regarding how you interact with one another. Now, these were, per, again, published to our church almost six months ago, and uh, I think God was prepping us so that we would be ready to huddle together so we could have healthy family during this season. And I'm calling you guys to embrace your church family code. If you're here today, I printed that family code on the back of the little sheet that I handed out to you. And I want you to take that. You can still tear off that bottom part and turn that in after the service. It won't mess up what's on, what's on the back side. But the City Life Family Code is this. Is we're going to daily seek the presence of God. I don't think there's been a more critical time for you to personally be in prayer and in personal worship, personally in the than ever before. It's great. The, the importance of it is greater now than ever before. Talking with my pastor friends, I say, even for them personally, and I'm telling you guys for me personally, it's more important now than ever before. Second is we are going to practice the spiritual discipline of the weekly church assembly. And I know not everyone can be here in this in this room, but we're going to practice it. We're going to come together. We're going to come together because we are together. Whether you are with me in this room or you're watching online, we are together in spirit. The next one is to show up and let your authentic self be seen. We want you just to be you. Here's the next one. We will actively cover, challenge, and celebrate those in our local church. Cover means that you're going to protect them. But you're also going to challenge. Another part of our family code is this. I will live to give rather than living to gain. Next one is to treat every person in this church with honor and dignity. The next is this. I will avoid and oppose all forms of negativity and gossip. If you find yourself getting into negativity and gossip, you are actually violating the family code, and you're going to find you will actually. Here's the truth: you're actually isolating yourself. You wonder why you're getting anxious. It's because you're, you, you've done it. You've isolated yourself because you're outside the code. All right. And then the next one is this: pick people up rather than picking people. Can you do that? Will you be willing to pick someone up instead of picking them apart? Here's the next one. Be the first to spring into action on an opportunity to serve. Because, you know, when, when there are opportunities out there, the answer is yes. Here's another one. You will leave people better than you found them. I tell you what, just listen to this. I want to be a part of this kind of church, right? But here's another one. I will be known for what I am for rather than what I am against. Yeah. Nothing new there. That's part of our family code. Part of our family code. In fact, recently, a lot of people have said, you need to start telling all the things you're against. So I'm like, well, that doesn't, that kind of violates our family code. You know, it's just, well, how dare you? Oh, you know, well, that's just, that's our family code. We're going to stick with what we're for. I'm for Jesus. I'm for the blood of Jesus. And someone asked me recently what your political position is, and I said, it's really clear. You want to know what my political position is? If you've not been around here very long, then you, you may not know. But here it is. It's real clear. My political position is this. I look forward to the day Jesus Christ 
sits on the throne in New Jerusalem, and he is the worldwide leader of this earth. That's my political position, and it's Jesus. And that foundation will never let me down. I just hope you'll do the same. Here's the next one. You will uphold, you'll you utilize your influence only to uphold and defend the weak. I mean, I who wouldn't want to lock arms with people who are following this code? Here's the deal. It's where we're lifting each other to a higher level. And when that happens, you're getting lifted to a higher level. You're a part of something greater than yourself. All families have other aspects too. There are the seven aspects. I'll just go through them real quick. There's covenant relationships. They that's again based upon 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, all families have a sense of contribution where everyone contributes to the successful function of the family. It's kind of like dad having me out in the yard uh, planting seeds at a young age. And I would vacuum and clean the house and I would dust. And as I got older, I learned to do the dishes and learned to do the lawn. And then I got to a place where I started paying rent, you know, when I turned 16. Like, but we all serve, we all give. Number five is care. Every family creates a sense of security and care. So in just a minute, we're going to be praying over our, our, our church family prayer needs that you guys have been sending in online. We're going to pray over those needs, and that's and it's not just to pray over them, but to actually care about you and to check up on you and love each other. Uh, number six is every family has a common name. That's pretty simple. City Life Church. Or Woody. Next one is this, is there's a craving to reproduce and expand because every, every family feels the need to enlarge itself. Now, City Life Church is not, this is not a series of lectures. This is not, you know, I, I'm not a professor. I'm not smart enough to be a professor, but I do know this much. I'm a dad, and I'm a husband, and I'm a pastor. And the, the scriptural qualifications, the top qualifications for a pastor, for a leader of a local congregation, is to be a dad, is to be a husband. My sermons, therefore, my sermons are to a family. My sermons are for you, for the friends that you bring over. My friends, my, my sermons are for the strangers that drop in to this place or drop in online. Now let's go back to that scripture for 2020 one more time. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners to sing, but the rebellious live in a unscorched land. I'm telling you guys, isolation, isolation is rebellion. Isolation is the enemy of family. Isolation makes you a prisoner in a sun-scorched land. And you do not have to stay there. I want every person to break out of isolation. I want you to be led out with singing. I want you to experience family intimacy because in these days and during these times, we need family like never before. We need our family to be based upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, and our refuge is in Him. Where's your refuge? Where's your foundation? Let you, Jesus. And let your safe place be the church family. We're going to pray right now. I want us to pray over various needs, people that have sit in their needs. And I'd like for you to go ahead and bring those up to me right now. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you right where you are to agree in prayer with me. If you're online, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray that God will minister and, and bring this and, and bring, bring healing and to bring deliverance. Come on, we pray just all of this room right now. This is part of what a family does. We're here for each other. God, I pray.
her son, for her sisters and husband who were tested positive for COVID. God, I pray for Kevin. I pray for you to give him joy. I pray you give him courage. I pray that you will give him discernment for the steps he needs to take. I also want to pray for the Seagull family. I pray for that whole family. Even as we're talking about family today, I pray for peace and physical healing. I pray for Joel, that you'll just continue to give him direction for his future. I pray for Jack. I pray that you will, his prayer need is not even for himself, but his prayer need is, is for the homeless and the community. I would just pray for your continued protection among them, your provision for them. Pray for Hunter, God. Pray, Lord, for his brother and his friends who have tested positive for COVID. We just pray for healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.